because it is a bit of a reckoning. You, you know, you believe something and then somebody shows you that it's not pristine. You start to question everything. You got to question yourself. You got to question the people you, you, you talk with. Uh, you question your friendships. You question all those things. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. My name is Aldo Martin. And I'm Cousin Eddie. And together, we're going to explore what it's like to be in and leave a religious cult. For more info on the Reclamation Podcast, find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Aldo B. Martin. Welcome back. Our program is going to be a little bit different this week. Today, we meet Kenny and Hashim, who are currently members of the ICOC. Kenny and I have been friends for over 20 years and remain good friends till this day. Although Hashim and I go back 20 plus years as well, he and I have recently reconnected for the purpose of this program. And there goes the reclamation, reuniting people again. Shout out to the reclamation. Anyway, Kenny and Hashim discuss with us why they chose to stay with the group and tell us why they do not think that the ICOC is a cult. Although I disagree with them in many regards, I felt that it was necessary to not interrupt them as they spoke and to not interrupt them as they expressed their opinions on the matter. Therefore, you hear a lot of them and not so much of me. The things that they say might be troublesome to some members of the audience, as what Kenny and Hashim say might bring some of our listeners back to that point in time when the church controlled their lives. On the other hand, this is the first time that some members of the audience are actually hearing from current members of the ICOC. Without further ado, here's Kenny and Hashim. Here's the question, though, Hashim, um, and any one of you guys can start off. So the letter came out and people left. Well, people rebelled and some people left. A lot of people left. You guys chose to stay. Would you be able to explain why or tell why? I could. It's a process. <clears throat> the very end of it, though, is that I realized the people are people. So they're going to be doing what people do regardless. But it wasn't about... Um, man, are you guys perfect and all that? No, they, they're going to do what people do all the mm -hmm. time. They're going to mess up. They're going to lie. They're going to curse. They're going to cheat. They're going to steal all of that. Because at one point, so all of this is going on. And for me too, it was a battle. It was like, so wait a minute. Are these guys a lie? Is this like, you know... <clears throat> Or what you guys when you say these I mean, guys the are church lying. the church everything i'm a part of because it is a bit of a reckoning you you know you believe something and then somebody shows you that it's not pristine you start to question everything you got to question yourself you got to question the people you 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 talk with uh you question your friendships you question all those things like at one point i would come to sunday service take the communion and go home that was it. This is after the letter? Yeah. I wasn't staying for the message because what, what are you going to say? Especially the guy that was preaching at the time. Eh, I didn't like everything he was saying. 
Um, so I would really come, take communion and, and go. See, the important thing for me was I became a Christian because I believe the Bible is the word of God. It was about a relationship with God mm-hmm. for me. It wasn't about the church. That was, it wasn't until I started studying. I said, oh, okay. Like I had just come to a realization that I do believe there's a God. Cause at one point I was atheist then I was agnostic. Then I said, you know what? I do believe there's a God. Mm-hmm. And so I studied the Bible, not believing in it, but the Bible made me believe in it. Mm-hmm. Right. So when this came about, it still hit, but it didn't shake my faith in God. It just made me question, why am I here with these people? Do I need to find a different group to be with? And I mean, I was questioning people, not literally questioning people, but I would watch people. I was paying attention to what was going on. So after you're seeing what's going on, but what made you decide to stay with the group? There's one guy in particular, I won't say his name, but he was all over the place. I mean, this guy was like, if you had a girlfriend, he would sit right up next to her and start playing with her hair. <laughs> what? While, uh, I'm not joking. While while you're standing there, he would do this type of thing. He would, but he would do things. He kept doing things. He would piss people off and people would get upset with him and then he'd try to talk to him and all this. And I remember one day I'm, I'm watching him I'm in, and I'm looking at him and I said, yo, you know what? If a guy can be this messed up and do all these things that get people mad and it's not like Jesus, but God loves him. And actually I love him too. You know what I mean? Like this guy's my brother. I was like, okay, so this is real. This is real. The relationships that we have are real. And the center of them is the relationship with God. But there is something here. Yes, everything got messed up. Like people, the stuff that we saw that we didn't talk about was very real as well. But I was like, you know what? I'd rather try to be a part of the solution than walk away and say, oh, you guys messed up. Because that's that's what I was thinking. So I was like, you know, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay because God is here. And the people that I'm dealing with right now, they really do want it. And I want to help them as well. You know, Hashim, Um, I think that was a lot of it. Thank you, Hashim. Yeah. So for me, um, when the letter came out and when people were figuring out what freedom of Christ meant for them, um, it was actually one of the best spiritual times in my life. How do you mean? So before that, I felt like an empty shell um, and I felt like I was going through the motions, This not just spiritually, but just in life. It was a big transition time for me um, with school. I started work full time, but I wasn't finished with school and I felt listless and the structure of the church, which was helpful to me um, when I was 17 and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, getting my life together, I guess you could say. That structure, I was chafing against it. And um, and I just felt like I was doing things f- for the motions, everything from reading my Bible to uh, coming to church. Mm-hmm. So for me- and, this is, and you're saying this is just before the letter hit, right? This is just how, before the letter, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the letter comes and the letter everyone comes, scatters. Everyone scatters. And then I, I'm, I'm personally questioning everything. Before I used to teach people and practice- that you should read your Bible and pray every day in the morning. One of my friends said, why should we do that? And I thought to myself, why should we do that? 
Mm-hmm. And it, it sent me looking in the Bible, like, why should we do that? And then I learned that the Bible was telling me I should pray constantly. So it's not just the morning thing. But I couldn't find anything that said that I should read my Bible every day. But it said I should meditate on, on the word all the time. So I was like, wow, my rule that I thought was such a strong rule, read your Bible in the morning, you know, read and pray in the morning. Turns out I should be meditating all the time. I should be praying constantly. Yeah, so for relate. me, it was a relate. it was a awakening for me. I'm 23 years old. I'm questioning and examining my faith. And everything was brand new. And like when I would mess, when I would push boundaries of what of what the Bible says, like uh, I wasn't getting my hand slapped or anything. No one really cared. <laughs> but it was just a really amazing time for me. I'll say later when I had to really decide where I want to be. Um, I actually read this book called Historical Drift, which talks about churches dying. But it goes all the way back to like the first century. Um, and one of the things it talks about is, uh, you know, in order for a church to like survive, it has to have a revival. And revivals are. Um, uh, but this is, is this what you at the immediately after the church, you're, you're thinking about these revivals and stuff? This is this is maybe a year or two later yeah. uh, where I have read the book before. I picked it up again. and. Um, I felt like, um, so at first I, I didn't consider uh, leaving uh, that specific group. I was just going through like having a good time, like discovering what it means to worship God and be, be close to God, period. Did, a, did became, a lot of your, did a lot of your friends stay, Hashim, or did oh, a lot no. of them leave? No, a lot of them left. My, my them specific left. friends, are, like I can name more friends who left than uh, who stayed actually, so. Yeah, so I you, think um, almost everybody I went to school with, yeah, uh, almost all of them left. And 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 so now you guys are in the situation where the church is basically a skeleton of itself, right. and it's a skeleton of itself for you personally. Whereas the uh, a lot of people you had uh, relationships right. with, they're they're not there anymore. So they're not there anymore to kind of anchor you through this. Because for me, I stayed right because I had friends there, right, and I didn't want to get kicked out. Yeah. Right, but but now you guys, that anchor is no longer there for you, and and now you 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 chose to remain. There was nothing there to keep you there. It, it's it's funny though. It's when I studied the Bible, I remember thinking, I remember thinking, man, I wonder what it's going to be like 50, 60 years from now when this church is gone, and I got who am I going to be with? Like I, I realized from early, organizations, empires fall, you know. This this ICOC is not going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. None of them are. Mm-hmm. None of them are. And I thought, man, it's going to be interesting how they disappear. You, you, or like, you didn't you didn't think it was going to last forever? I knew it wasn't going to last forever. I thought oh, it was. Hashim. I thought it was too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that's so, so. Kenny, listen, Kenny must be some sort of prophet because because <laughs> no one else thought that. <laughs> no, it was just it's it was just. Again, I think that um, sometimes it's it's how things hit you, man. It's yeah, how I, sh- I should call somebody on the phone. I want to call somebody on the phone right now and just put them on speaker and be like, "Yo, did you think the church is going to end?" I'm like, "Hell no!" Well, Kenny, I have a question for you. I have okay. a question for you. Okay. Like, um, you correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you 
you were leading in the church on a you were a junior manager, right? There <laughs> <In the laughs> <laughs> we go. And Here we go. So in terms of uh the structure and, and the some of the controlling things, I know I was a junior junior manager, right? So I was I was pushing the controlling things. Uh, do you feel like you were doing that too, or were you saying, hey, I'm not gonna do that? That is kind of not my way. Uh like how, how did you feel in terms of um you know it's funny because when all of this happened there was a lot of apologizing going on (laughs) and um i i realized or i was fortunate i don't think i had to apologize to too many people i can't really like i went to people like hey you know i'm sorry if i they were like nah man we're cool it's because uh i i'd say in the niche that we were in i was in we didn't, um, we saw the shenanigans, you know, we saw the, 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 how the, the, you know, the elitism and all of that stuff mm-hmm. was going on. Mm-hmm. Like I tell, we saw a lot of the shenanigans. We saw the elitism. Uh, it was kind of fishy that guys were living in mid Manhattan. Like how you, you go to college, but you have an apartment in mid Manhattan. And and everything people talk about the you know, the the stats and all those things, it's just that um, we I don't know we had a good way of of saying you know what we're not gonna let that determine what we do and how we do and so and you know I kind of learned how to play the game, I knew how to have the stats, but once I left that room and I was with my peoples, you know we just we just try to enjoy ourselves. We try to have fun. We study the Bible with people. We, um, we try to be very real about it. So, so I, I want to, part of the reason why I asked that is because I think people were attracted to how we were in a church for different reasons. I think mm-hmm. for some people's relationships, for a lot of people, it's a mix for some people's relationships for other people. And this is something that a lot of people might, might agree with, but I think for a lot of, I'm going to say young black men, uh, like I was, stuff where you're getting into, where you're challenged to be knowledgeable, mm-hmm. where you're challenged to have discipline, and where you're challenged to like go uh, help other people, like in your family and community to do that, you know, that has the same attractiveness as being uh, a fruit of Islam, <laughs> you know? Uh, there's, there's a, there's a community status that I had when I became a Christian. What, what, what uh, status was that? What status? There was a status in the community that I had where my status in the, said, in, the, in the church, in the church community. I'm sorry. In my uh, neighborhood community. Okay. Where I had, where I became known as the preacher man <laughs> and I would come up and I was really bold and I would tell them. You should do this. You should do that. And they wouldn't listen, but they would give me respect. Yeah. Mm. I would go up to the drug dealer. I remember me and my friend sharing our faith with a drug dealer in our neighborhood. And we were just bold about it. When, when I came to the BMCC campus, I would, I would hear the brothers there, like, you know, uh, sharing their faith, but not in a, a, a sunshiny way, but like, you should do this. And if you don't do it, you're a herb. Like, <laughs> Why are you telling people that? 
Wow. So there was a, I would have battles with, uh, with Muslim dudes. We we're going back and forth about the scriptures. Mm, yeah. My yeah, friends wouldn't invite me. Yeah. Yeah. My friends mm-hmm. wouldn't invite me to a certain part. I remember my friends didn't invite me to a pajama overnight party they had because they were like, no, Hashim, we know you don't do that. That, you know, like th- this was, uh, the, the the church gave me, uh, you know, uh, the church with this high bar and high discipline and you need to put in that work, as I heard on on a, <laughs> on a podcast episode, that was very attractive, attractive to me. It wasn't when I was 23. It's not what I needed. It wasn't what some of my uh, 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 family members needed who yeah. who, who needed uh, who had mental health yeah. uh, issues. But for a certain group of people. Um, that was really attractive. And I actually think you, Kenny, were kind of cut from a different cloth in terms of uh, folks who were in middle management who wanted to just like please upper management. I actually thought you were sincerely uh, trying to help people and do things like that and be yourself. And I think the letter maybe have hit different depending on why you were there. So I was there for relationships. I love the relationships. I was there because. Uh, I thought I had a, it gave me a genuine relationship with God. And I really, I really enjoyed helping out other people. Um, I, I used to help my friends go to a drug program. And that drug program was like extra strict. It was like the strictness of the church times 10. Yeah. Even though I never did drugs, I, I would bring them there and they would get clean. These are things that I feel really proud about uh, even today. Uh, and I was doing that after the letter happened. So this is the first time I actually thought about why I stayed. I, I never thought about why I stayed. Okay. Okay. But um, the last thing I'll say is this: um, because myself and my friends who were still there, because we were, I guess, processing everything for years. <laughs> like for years, we talked about um, what happened, what we did, the weird things that we did, and stuff like that. Um, it felt like we. Um, kind of process it together and so i felt like there was genuine uh, change because we went through that together so anyway that that's my long answer but that's the reason why i stayed one thing he just said that i think is important he said we processed this we processed it together and one thing i liked about this podcast is there's probably so many people who didn't have the together part so you see things as going on. You're being slided in one way or another. You're alienating your family. All these things are going on at this time, impressionable time of your life. And then you walk away, whether it's the letter or whatever, you walk away. And who do you get the process with? Who can understand what you've just been through or what you're dealing with? Yeah. And it, it, I'm realizing how for so many people, they didn't have it for so many people. They, they, they didn't know if they had that reality, that truth of a friendship of relationships. Cause you, you were like, man, I was afraid I was going to lose the relationships. And I think you, you were gone, you left, but you didn't lose it. And I think if people knew that, and if that was real for a lot of people, they wouldn't struggle like they did. It wouldn't have been had such a negative impact on them. You know, um, you know what? I, I want to just, if I can, Hashim, I'm sorry. If, 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 uh, if I can, um, you know, Hashim, go ahead. Because I had, a, I had a follow-up question to that. So 
I, I want to tweak what Kenny said just a little bit. Like, listening to the podcast, I think the podcast is great because I hear you and your guests processing. I didn't realize that a lot of my friends probably haven't. So the same thing you said, Kenny. Um, I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if people would have felt differently if they were processing with me. Because uh, some of my friends went through even worse things than what I went oh, through. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. So I just want to tweak that. And also, I actually think that even if I left, it wouldn't have been bad. I'm talking about spiritually bad. And me staying hasn't been spiritually bad. So I, I'm, I'm a little bit like I stayed, but I understand if someone else left. Good. So me sharing my story is just my story. It's not like anyone else should have, but listening to the podcast, I realized how much um, pain people still had. Yeah. They didn't get to work out. Yeah. Like I worked out with my friends, but they could have still said I worked it out and I'm leaving. If Mm -hmm. that makes any sense to be really clear. um, Most of my friends, we were sincere, but also most of us have bought into a control, a controlling structure. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I bought into a controlling structure and whenever I had, it should also be noted to, to, to highlight what, what Hashim is saying, uh, Cousin Eddie, as he's talking about the people that he's referring to, mm-hmm. keep in mind that Kenny and I are part of that collective because sure. we were there at the same time yeah, yeah. under the same umbrella in the same building at sure. times. Yeah. So so um, we're part of this that he's talking about. Am I right, right. Uh, Hashim? No, that's exactly right. As a matter of fact, so... So other guests have shared this, that you had your crew where you were really true with and you believed in the mission. I didn't, I I wasn't so, but I also did things like um, I was mentoring uh, a guy who same age as me and he wanted to date someone else. So I gave him what we called the green light. Like I Mm. I spoke to. Oh, you were the bearer of the green light, young man. I, I was giving out green lights. And, and, <laughs> I want to make that into a t-shirt. I was giving out green lights. Wait, I was giving out green lights. Wait, hold up. Time out. Wait a minute. You was giving out green lights, B? I was giving out green lights. Yo, I never got a green light. Yo, you, re- you remember you had to ask permission to right. exclusively date certain people, man. You had right. to ask, so, permission. Gotta ask permission. So, and this is this is one of the most shameful this thing guy was this done. guy was a giver of light Look yeah no. <laughs> so just to, just to kind of explain like i, I don't want to minimize how much i was uh helping to control other people right but what i was trying to say is that uh 17 year old hashim and even 19 and 20 was attracted to the being called to do something and i did have my crew where we weren't trying to build up numbers to like show anyone numbers of like how many people we evangelize. We really wanted to like win our campus, we thought, and, and help out people. And I'll give you one story. I was on uh, the campus of John Jay where I went to school. And at the time I was the only person. And one of my friends and Aldo came to the campus that day uh, so they could help me. Uh, put in some work, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so, and, and we just canvassed the campus talking to anyone with yeah. much boldness. And that made me feel like I own the school. I'm like, I'm nobody in the school, but I felt like I had a word to share. And then when, you know, when someone was um, open 
um, you know, I talked about people uh, helping people who are addicted to things. Um, anyway, it was, it was that type of thing. So I really believed in it. I didn't care about the numbers, but I was doing it in the way the church taught me, which is a very controlling way, even to the point of you can date this person or not this person. Now, gentlemen, with all that being said, <clears throat> the nature of this program is talking about uh, religious cults or high control groups, right? Or cultish experiences. And, and I've incorporated all those terms because I realized that it's not the same for everybody. Yeah. Right. But there are a lot of people that I interact with on a regular basis now, especially after uh, putting out the podcast that refer to it as a cult. Right. Mm -hmm. And they thought there were, there were cultish things in it. Having the beliefs that you have now and, and knowing that, you know, the nature of this, what the nature of the program is, what made you want to come on the program? Next time on The Reclamation. It's funny because I, I don't even say that phrase all the time. So if I still plan to be part of the RCLC and I was a part of it back then, then I have to take responsibility for um, what I did personally and what we did as a group.